Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Now, if you were listening to the show this time last week, you might have heard us having a conversation with an entrepreneur who is marketing period panties in South Africa. Really great story. If you missed it, please go and look for the podcast on the website. It is still there to listen to. But what was almost as interesting as the story of the company Soul Sisters was the response of one male listener who then phoned in absolutely livid that we were discussing such an issue on air, accusing me of having no dignity, my producer of having no shame in facilitating the mere mention of a bodily process in public. And we didn't put him to air. I, I relayed his, his, his message on air and there was a gratifying reaction from male and female listeners alike supporting the importance of having such a conversation. Session. So thank you again for those calls and voice notes. But what happened is that it got Wendy Nola and I chatting then during the two o'clock news about how society's response to menstruation has changed in some respects and not changed in others, and about how some of the commercial and marketing issues um, around the subject are, are so interesting uh, and that, that, that they need to be talked about. We thought it merited a show all of its own to look at how marketers influence the conversation, to discuss some of the still problematic approaches in how they are targeting consumers around this issue. And Wendy, thank you so much for picking up on the topic so rapidly. Glad to be able to chat about it today. Likewise, Pippa. Thank you. As always, the listeners, if you want to join the conversation, you are welcome to do so on 021-446-0567. You can also leave a voice note on 0725671567 or send an SMS to 31567. Over to you, Wendy. Okay, Pippa. So as you said, the call that got us talking uh, last week about the fact that so many girls um, are still socialized to be embarrassed or ashamed of menstruating and generally made to feel dirty and smelly down there, for goodness, yeah. you know, we can't possibly say vagina, and how a vast array of so-called feminine hygiene products feed into those uh, insecurities. Yeah. So we have come a long way since ancient times when menstruating women were regarded as unclean and liable to pollute foods they handled and actually cause crops to wither, <laughs> But it, which is so weird when you think it's all about life. Fertility and Fertility. Yes, things growing and being born, um, yeah. But in most cultures, there remains an uneasy sense of those taboos in a, to a greater or lesser extent. In the 1930s, the Catholic Church denounced Tampax in print, saying their concern was that women would find tampons erotic and they would lose their virginity <laughs> upon insertion. I mean, it's not that long ago if you think about it's it. It's less than 1930s, years ago, yes. Yeah. And today, despite tampon adverts universally depicting girls and women probably almost always wearing white, swimming and horse riding, well, maybe not swimming in white, there remains a notion that physical activity, particularly swimming, is a no-no during menstruation. Which is just nonsense. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it is. In some customs, tampons cannot be discarded with normal household waste, as it is believed this will displease the ancestors. So it's still a lot lot of... um, Hangovers of of the ancient times when when um, it was really uh, the stigma around men, uh, menstruation was massive. Um, so here's a thought: if you are among those who place a box of tampons or pads on the supermarket pay point and then immediately find something to cover it with instinctively, <laughs> <laughs> or you wouldn't dare to ask the man in your life to buy them for you. You're among the many women who've been socialized to deal with menstruation every, menstruating every 28 days as something to be dealt with as discreetly as possible. 
Uh, the thing is, though, can you imagine a man responding to a natural bodily function so absurdly, or men in general? I, I love this. I actually saw this skit many years ago. Um, stand-up comic Ben Elton oh, he's was a on stage. Genius, yeah. yeah, complete genius. And he said, what is this with this sort of woman and this discretion and around around menstruating? And you know, he doesn't talk about it, and it's, it's a taboo subject. He said, if men menstruated, they'd boast about the volume of their menstrual flow, as in, whoa, <laughs> only super plus for me. And they'd buy in bulk, probably. Yes. Put it on the line. I take his point. You know, what was so interesting last week, Wendy, was, you know, amongst the, the responses we got after that caller who was so upset, um, we heard from a school principal who had taught um, – and, and been principal at a co-ed high school and, and relate to us how he had once asked, I think in a school assembly, the boys to raise their hands if they had purchased tampons or pads for their sisters or their moms or the women in their life at some point. And he said most of them were very happy uh, to uh, raise their hands and so say, yes, it was, uh, I've done it. Absolutely. And his comment was around how the younger generation appears to be sort of shaking off some of that long held stigma. But the question is, have we moved far enough along? And it's quite interesting, Wendy, to reflect on this not looking at what's changed since 100 years ago, but what's changed since 15 years ago when you actually wrote a feature article on this subject for Fair Lady magazine. I did. Um, and as I wrote, this was fascinating. When I, I went you know, deeply into this, this subject, as you can imagine, it was a long feature. Um, and as I wrote in that feature, in the 1990s, the U.S. Women's Tennis Association turned down a three-year, $10 million sponsorship from TAM brands, makers of Tampax. Um, and at the time, Martina Navratilova was president of the WTA, and she said that local sponsors would have withdrawn if they accepted that sponsorship, and um, comedians would have turned the Tampax tour into a laughing stock. At the time, professional basketball player Mariah Burton Elson was outraged, and I quoted her as saying, it still matters too much what men say about women's bodies. I wish that, that the WTA had proceeded as if women were proud and free and unencumbered by male prejudice and control. Hmm. Um, 1990s. I wonder what would have happened today. Well, I wonder if it's, if it's, if it's ever come I up would, again. I would love to talk to Martina about that. Yeah. Um, in the it's fascinating to now. me that it was a woman who turned down the sponsorship. Yes, and Martina, yeah. of all women. Hmm. Um, yeah, who was such an absolute groundbreaker. Yes. Sure. So, so in my generation, I could... I can certainly say, and my daughter is in her 20s. Um, she was at a co-ed school. So we were separated from the boys uh, to go and watch the menstruation film in, in primary school. Um, my daughter, certainly at her co-ed school, um, was separated from the boys. They went off to get the talk from from the local nurse and in some cases actually a rep from a sanitary uh, protection company. Um so that's already sort of them and us about it. We mustn't talk about this with the boys because, yeah. you know, it's, it's all. You know. Whereas everybody should be learning about everybody's bodies and what's going on Exactly, in them. Yeah. for many reasons. So the adverts then and still today promise to protect us from anyone ever knowing that we menstruate, reinforcing the notion that the ultimate humiliation would be some indication to the outside world that you're actually menstruating. Um, and so if our biggest fear is leakage, we'll dubbin up on protection and wear panty liners on days when we only have a remote chance of getting our period. If we believe that we give off a terrible odor when we're menstruating and doctors are adamant that we actually don't we want to snap up products that promise to keep us cleaner and fresher in our intimate area such as wipes deodorized pads intimate washes Okay, so there's big money in this, Wendy, uh, and the industry keeps on finding new ways to, to exploit our worries, don't they? Well, exactly. So I can't remember exactly which decade it was, but um, 
there was a time when you only bought uh, sanitary products for when you were actually menstruating uh, or, or used them rather when you were when you were menstruating. But um, now, I suppose the industry thought, well, why must we sell a product that women are only going to buy for one quarter of the month or use consume for one quarter of the month when they, we can get them to buy our products for every day? Um, and so the word every day started entering the lexicon of, sell, of, of sanitary products. Lillette sells intimate feminine care cream wash formulated to, quote, uh, to provide, quote, everyday freshness. And they sell every day. They're actually called everyday freshness panty liners. Uh, intimate washes are, have become big business. Um, and it infuriated the late, great, much missed Dr. Cindy Van Zale. Um, known for dispelling health-related myths on social media, and she, and intimate washes was a particular favorite of hers. Um, uh, the Khatin-based GP and media personality who died very recently yeah. constantly warned women against using intimate washes, saying they may cause vaginal infections, actually. She said these products perpetuate the myth that vaginas are dirty and smelly and must smell fresh and clean or like strawberries. It creeps into our lives as young girls and is perpetuated throughout our lives. It is just not true. The vagina regulates itself very well. It maintains the correct pH. All you need to do is wash with water, nothing else. And yet it continues. It does. So if you look at Gynagod, I think it's the biggest selling um, um, intimate wash type product. And there's a range, there's foam baths and all sorts of things. It's marketed um, as a range of pH balancing intimate products, gentle enough to use every day. You bet Gynagod has you covered. Gentle yet effective. Gynagod is specially formulated to keep you feeling clean, fresh and constant confident for daily use to gently rinse away odor-causing germs from your most sensitive areas. Um, now, a couple of days ago, May the 31st, they reposted on their Facebook page, this from an influencer, obviously a paid thing. Yeah. Did you know that your vaginal pH can get disrupted? Let's educate each other so that we can glam up without worrying about weird, foul smells. Wow. I mean, so this is two days ago. So when you talk, does that answer your question? Not all that much at all. Yeah. Okay. So here I was thinking glamming up was maybe getting my nails done and putting on some lipstick. Wendy, I've, I've missed a whole turn. You can't glam up without sort of smelling like roses down there, whatever you're choosing. Strawberries. Yeah. Strawberries. strawberries. Let's not forget. (laughs) Strawberries. Uh, And I mean, again here, Wendy, the reminder of what Cindy used to say to us, and I think she said it on this show as well, that not only are these products completely unnecessary, that can, it's a step further than that. They can actually cause health issues. Exactly. What she said to me, and I wrote a story about it um, based on her tweets. She said the use of intimate washes upsets the pH balance and can lead to yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis. And obviously there are those that use them that don't um, uh, have that the have any issues, but many do, and I will take it from a doctor that that is the case. That is the case, yeah. Um, so I did speak to Garnagard's brand manager at the time I wrote that story, which was about almost three years ago, and uh, about, you know, their marketing versus what the doctors say. And she said um, that the company's position was not that water was not sufficient as a vaginal cleanser, but that women should use an intimate wash as an alternative to soap, which was harmful. Isn't that an interesting response? That's an interesting response because it's not coming through in the way they're marketing no, it's the products. Not. It's not. They're not. There's nothing about, you know, using water is fine. It reminds me of the old sort of breastfeeding versus, versus formula. formula. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- this is the problem is that women are still buying into the worry on the same scale because that kind of messaging um, is continuing. That's the thing. So that for me as a consumer journalist, that's the angle. And I'm, yeah. I'm, in lot of, I'm sure they have 
one or two people listening are thinking, oh, why are they talking about this on the radio, the wireless? But, you know, it is about manipulation yeah. to an extent. And it becomes women buy this and, 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 and it becomes an expectation on their male partners or on any partner, I suppose, mm-hmm. that, you you know, you've got to use this to be um, – so-called fresh. I mean, it's, fresh. it's creating a need yes. that actually isn't that, there. No, uh, but it's creating an, a, a sense and, that it isn't. And yeah. and for some people, creating a health issue, which is yeah, which is unacceptable. Yeah, uh, you looked at a, a recent study, uh, Wendy, just to, to 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 sort of take this a step further. It's not just us here in South Africa who are who are grappling with these sort not of at all. cultural lingering expectations yeah. and, and and myths. So the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada, published in the journal um, BMC Women's Health. In 2018, um, an article which confirmed what Dr. Cindy told us, and that is that women who use intimate washes were three times more likely to experience some type of vaginal infection and more than twice as likely to report a UTI, a urinary tract infection. The quote in that study was, our society has constructed male, female genitalia as unclean. The marketing of vaginal hygiene products as something women need to attain is contributing to the problem. Okay, so just to, uh, there's some very interesting responses coming through here in response to the conversation so far. And we will continue after the news taking a look at some of the alternative products that are available at the, 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 the different costs of how much women are spending on menstrual products each month and around some of the other issues that this raises, including as one or two people are making the point already, it's it's all well and good to say try a different uh, option, but you've got to make sure that somebody is in an area where they've got the water supply, the electricity to make sure they can uh, wash and clean those alternative products properly. So it's a very complex issue to discuss. But very interesting to hear on our WhatsApp line, uh, Wendy, from somebody who's listening to this conversation, who is the co-founder of a small NPO from Cape Town, which aims to provide short and long-term sustainable solutions to period poverty in Site B and Kailicha. And this is what she writes. As a team, we are trying to get rid of the stigma and taboo associated with having a period. We especially have made a conscious effort to get boys and men involved in the cause and to have these boys supporting the fight against period poverty and supporting their sisters, girlfriends, moms and friends. They're called Mama Flo. Uh, she goes on to write, or he goes on to write, we are committed to finding short and long-term sustainable solutions to ending period poverty. Providing sanitary pads and menstrual hygiene education is our main goal through various workshops and handouts and social media campaigns. But in future, we hope to provide workshops and sustainable products to young girls across South Africa. We have so many plans for the future. As young women ourselves, we know that sanitary pads come in all shapes, sizes and prices. But one thing we know for sure is that a newspaper or an old cloth is not them. Mm. It is, however, a sad reality that so many young girls and women have no choice but to resort to using those during their time of the month. And we have made it a mission to find viable, sustainable and affordable solutions to alleviate period poverty. Thank you so much. Please, uh, I'd love to have an email from you so that we can carry on that conversation with you about the work that you're doing. And we will mention several other um people working in the same space and, and corporates that are are coming on board in very responsible ways on this after the news headlines. But thank you uh, for that WhatsApp. And back to the conversation uh, with Wendy Nola. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've got messages streaming in from people loving the natural language that is being used. Wendy saying it's so important that these conversations are had in public because they were had, if at all, behind closed doors for far too long. Fascinated to receive an email from John, a male listener in Seapoint, who says sometime in the 1970s, I was given a spray can of 
on the ball mail spray by a much what? older friend. I asked if she thought I needed it, and the reply was that it looked trendy. So fixations about genital odor can affect both genders and are bloody stupid and very cynical <laughs> marketing ploy by the big producers either way. A nice and very necessary talk is John's take on Thank this conversation. You, Thank you, John. And that's that's a fascinating aspect that it's not only men who are targeted, uh, not only women who are targeted in this way. Um, yeah, somebody on the SMS line saying, what about the environmental impact of using all those unnecessary products? That's part of the conversation up, yes. still to come, I promise. And, um, yeah, then somebody else asking a very pertinent point. How can these companies be allowed to market their products as beneficial if they are potentially harmful, Wendy? Do you know if anybody's ever challenged them on that? Well, I don't know, but I, I do know how you could do it, and that would be via the Advertising Regulatory Board. Yes. Um, they, uh, it's, it's www.arb.org.za. They've got a very um, simple way to lodge a complaint to the consumer. And um, you could say uh, complain on the basis of misleading or, yeah. or even um, dangerous even. Um, you know, quoting, uh, you, you can find it online. You can find a study that says they, they well, the, fa- the facts are here from that study in, in Ontario, Canada. Three yeah. times more likely to cause some kind of infection, general infection, and twice as likely as to cause a, a UTI. Um, and just say that, you know, that the, the advertising uh, doesn't um, it, it negates that. That, that very real possible medical issue and yep. and is thus misleading or dangerous. That's it, a way to do it, and um, then it, that I, would become a new a new story in itself and a local one. It would be amazing to see somebody like a, you know um, there must be a society of gynecologists, for example, actually taking this on. I mean, we've had individual doctors, as you mentioned, Cindy, who much missed Cindy Fansell was one of them who spoke yes. out against the practice so so vocally. But wouldn't it be amazing to see a sort of a groundswell of Supported industry, um, uh, yes. uh, taking, you know, taking on the issue. Um, yeah, okay. So here's an SMS from V in Pineland saying, I have always failed to understand why government is not supporting the mass production of menstrual cups. They're cheaper, more hygienic, more we'll environmentally to friendly. To me, it seems it is a political decision to support the big conglomerates mm. who manufacture the tampons and pads instead of the local independents who are manufacturing the menstrual cup. V, we're going to get to that in just a second. Because that's part of the conversation yes. is that the options are so much broader than they used to be. Before we look at though the costs and and the alternatives, let's take a couple of calls. Carolyn in Somerset West. Good afternoon. Hi, I wanted to share an experience I'd had uh, in the nineties. I was living in Colorado in the states, and um, it was at altitude, and so I was permanently freezing. And I had taken my hot water bottle with me, which I used for years until it was perished and uh, yeah, was a done deal. So I went to the pharmacy and looked everywhere for a hot water bottle, and I found a little one that was about half the size of the regular one. And I went home delighted, boiled my kettle of water, and then. In the packaging, which I searched through, through, I couldn't find the the plug, just a little tube. So the next day, I took it back to the pharmacy, and I said, "I did. You, either it's uh, missing the the plug." Uh, and he said, "That's yeah. not a hot water bottle. That's a douche, a douche. bag." And I said, "A <laughs> yeah. douche bag?" And he said, "Yes, every woman should have one. It's an absolute necessity for feminine uh, hygiene." Oh. And uh, then I started asking my women friends who live there, and they all had them hanging on the back of their bathroom doors, and they all constantly had UTIs. Wow. So Wonder. Again, yeah. there was that stigma um, where you feel you have to flush your body out and actually you mess up your your 
fallen in Florida, pretty much. So. Wow, amazing! Thank you for that, cool. Yeah. In fact, it was a it was a Canadian author. Yes. Who? And that's why there's obviously a lot of myths in Canada because that last study was in Canada. And this woman, I'm just trying to find her name in this, in this very old magazine. Um, Karen Huppert. She published a book in 2002 called The Curse: Confronting the oh. Last Taboo. I read it from cover to cover, and I realized how much of this. Socialization I'd actually taken on I was the person That covered the the tampons With the magazine Or something Whereas you put a jumper Back of toilet rolls On the thing And don't think Oh people are going to know That I wee and poo It's just ridiculous Somebody should look at this And know So so, so interesting Yeah Yeah, And and obviously She was As a Canadian She had this rich uh, Material From from you know, all of their, from her ex- and others' experience as a woman, and 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 what you know, um, their down unders. Because I, I still get emails from people who talk about down there. Uh, a grown woman just can't yeah. say, can't commit the word vagina to to print, much less say it. So, um, Carolyn, thank you so much for sharing that story. So I mean, that's absolutely fascinating. And at least it was, uh, I mean, at least I guess it was just hot water because, you know, you hear of all sorts of horrifying yeah. um, things that people have been told to douche with, which are equally terrible. But it, this is fascinating to hear from so many people who are working in this space. Wendy, here's another WhatsApp from somebody. Um, and in fact, I'm not going to take the WhatsApp because I can see she's called in. Cherie Devette, you're the owner of uh, Palesa Pads, which is, I think, a Gauteng-based manufacturer of reusable pads. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. I believe you want to comment on, on, on the stigma and the myths associated with menstruation that are still out there. Correct. So one of, one of the things that I, um, I found so interesting once I started moving to cloth pads is that smell of blood. You know that smell that we all get when we're on our period? And, um, and, we, and I remember at school using deodorant and everything to mask it because it's one of the reasons that there's this horrible stigma because you can smell when someone is on their period. And um, I discovered when moving away from disposable pads to, chemic, uh, to cloth pads that there was no more smell. And I found that very interesting. So I started researching that and I discovered that the, the chemicals that are contained in these disposable pads, bleach, dioxins, chlorine, all of those things, when they mix with your blood, that's actually what causes the smell, that chemical reaction. Sometimes a person would have two or three drops on a disposable pad and there's this awful sour smell. And you think, but how? They need two drops of blood. And it's not you, actually. It's the, the chemicals in the pad. So I found as soon as I moved to cloth pads, that immediately stopped. And it was such a relief because that smell is terrible. Um, I even sniffed my pads up close to make sure and there was still no smell. And another thing that I also found moving away from chemicals was my period was shorter. I didn't have days and days and days of brown discharge where my body was trying to get rid of these chemicals. Since I've moved to cloth pads, um, the minute my period is done, it stops. It's over. And that was such a, a beautiful relief for me. And and that is another thing that I think um, needs more research, is what are the chemicals contained in these pads? There are a number of articles and private individuals and small organizations trying to take on these big manufacturers. But the bottom line is that sanitary pads and tampons are viewed as medical devices and therefore the manufacturers are not required to review reveal the ingredients or the chemicals that are used in these items um, because it's a medical device. And I think that is something that should be challenged. Um, obviously, I'm all for reusable cloth pads because it's better for the environment, it saves you money and, and, and all of that. But just from a health perspective, um, you know, if people are going to choose disposable pads for themselves, they should not be compromising their health in doing so. And I- Cherie, thanks so much. I'm going to cut you off there because we've got several people wanting to comment and loads of WhatsApps coming in as well. Um, I, I mean, Cherie and her initial 
WhatsApp also mentioned, Wendy, some of the myths that are still around that they um, have said, for example, a myth that encounters if you stand next to a boy while on your period, you can fall pregnant. And some of the girls were shocked to find out that that's not what actually happens. I mean, it speaks to... Total lack of total lack of conversation and education yeah. uh, around this, which is which is just fascinating. Um, yeah, and then somebody else making the comment: I fully agree with the perspective that we need to de-shame the need to use menstruation products, but keep in mind that the taboos in some rural areas among people are actually linked to lack of running water and transport to the shops, um, and might have their origins in practical hygiene concerns. It was one of the things I was going to raise when we get to the alternatives, Wendy. It's all well and good to say the government should be supporting the mass production production of menstrual cups but if they're not providing good supply of running water uh, and and heat to sterilize them in properly in between that's not an alternative and there's another thing there culturally um, and I was so hoping we we're going to have our guest available to talk to us about this so she we she hasn't unfortunately okay. she's tied up with a patient Wendy so we haven't got okay Dr. T so yet. Yeah. so the issue um, is that and pet Pads are a lot more expensive than tampons. Um, if you're using pads only for a period uh, versus tampons, you're going to be uh, paying significantly more okay. for that peri- during that period for your menstrual products. But given that, pads out far outsell tampons in this country and many other developing countries such as India, China, Thailand, Indonesia, because women are reluctant to use internal use, something you insert uh, which includes menstrual t- cups and tampons, um, and that is the virginity myth that mm-hmm. uh, goes back generations and is still clung on to. And that, um, and it came out in that quote I read you about the Catholic Church in the 1930s yes. that it's going to compromise your virginity, which is nonsense. But it, it's, it's a particular. Um, tragedy in this country where we have uh, period poverty yeah. um, and girls at, missing school and the bulk of, of the of the nation's women are buying and you can see it if you go to you know a supermarket they're buying pads over the much cheaper tampons because it's taboo to use to insert something, something yeah so it goes the menstrual cup thing goes beyond um, just lack of running water in some communities. It's it's actually about the the, the vaginal insertion cultural taboo, taboo that yeah. goes with it. Okay, Wendy, let let's set aside the the self image issues, the, the the fake marketing to create fake problems that don't actually need solving in the first place. Let's talk about the hard runs and sense. Okay. So as you've just said, um, it might surprise some people to know that pads actually do end up being more expensive than tampons in the long run. Well, if you think about yeah. it, it's much more material mm-hmm. that's involved. Um, so and what I found was looking back 10 years the cost of tampons hasn't gone up very much if at all but the cost of pads has a lot okay um, I suppose there's more there's more, more material as well. yeah, yeah and the demand so um, in South Africa the average tampon costs one rand fifty sort of somewhere between for for house brand one rand thirty and for your lilettes you're looking at more like 170 so say 150 on average um, and over the I don't want to but too many numbers here, but it's about 33 rand a period if you're using tampons. If you're using sanitary pads at an average cost of 2 and 30, it's 50 rand a period. So that's a big, um, obviously these numbers vary and I've tried to go for the averages to make the yeah. point. So 33 rand versus 50 rand, it's quite a, a difference. And there. we know that that is 50 rand that just many women and young girls do, don't have. No, Hence the role of all these campaigns we've been talking about that step in to help at schools in particular because we know that the knock-on effect is girls missing Four to five That's days the of education. Of this country. Absolutely. Shocking. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, our listeners know uh, Kev Talk has been a long-time supporter of the Discam Million Comforts campaign. Uh, a, a number of big events I'm noticing, Wendy, are 
starting to adopt these organizations as charities. Just last week, I got a hamper from the Spa Ladies Race announcing that they're going virtual Which this month. Which is a big difference in the last few years because that's, that's creating a, a, a platform oh, to talk, talk about, about menstruation. Yes. We didn't talk about it until very recently. And in, yeah, so in my, in my media hamper, uh, along with the pink ribbon and Fantastic. the bar of soap, and that was a packet of pads so and a notice to say that yes. for every person who enters the Spa Ladies Race this year, we're donating a packet Fantastic. of pads to the Petals Project. You want to give a particular mention to one of the local retailers as well. I did. They actually heard our promo for, for this show yesterday morning and um, ShopRite got hold of me to say um, they've included sanitary pads in their five-rand offering. So they started this going on six years ago um, with this concept of giving essential things for just – if you only had five-rand, you could buy this. something. So yeah. it was started with the bakery, in-house bakery, Brown Bird, Four ninety nine and still four ninety nine all these years later, so that's commendable. Two years later they included discounted deli meals. Um so that if you know, if you just had that five rand on you you could afford you to could eat. Get a meal. Yeah. And now they've added the five rand pack of sanitary pads. So it's available at um uh ShopRite and U Save uh, supermarkets, not checkers, ShopRite and U Save. You get a pack of eight uh, pads which they locally made and it's, so that's 60 cents each versus an average of about 2 and 30 so that's a massive saving and again they didn't do it five years ago five six years ago because mm. you know and now that this issue has become it's very much under the spotlight how wonderful now it's you know come and get your sanitary pads for for five rand yeah so that's 60 cents each yes. i mean that's fantastic okay yes. and then of course we need to speak to the fact that a number of more environmentally conscious consumers are rejecting the disposable pads and tampons entirely wendy they don't want to add to, to what's going into landfill and the number of alternative solutions is growing accordingly. Well, I didn't heard about um, period panties for the first time um, on air with your interview last week yep. and I thought how amazing and I went and looked and they're very um, funky uh, things I mean, most women would, would, would wear them girls happily, would be yeah. happy to wear them but again quite a high um, uh, cost of uh, entry cost so it was I think it was a 295 just under 300 yeah, it was 295 for one and you so, got a discount if you bought several together but I think that yeah. is a win-win because yeah. um, there's you know it's it's doing the job of a, of a pad but it's not bulky um, and you know it's this environmentally friendly all the rest I just wish something locally like that could be made developed and made wouldn't that just well, be wonderful you know I, I was reminded while prepping for this today that there is I mean there are people making alternatives in this country them. we chatted earlier in the year or late last year to Candy, Candy Androliakos who is the entrepreneur from Port Alfred of all places yeah. Wendy she's sitting in pineapple farming territory looked around her and noticed well what, what what's the waste product it's the leaves of the pineapple plant strip that down to its fibers and she's she's founded Leafline washable sanitary where they're making um, sanitary pads they're making incontinence pads for adults out of the fine mm. the fibers of pineapple leaves and um, she won a million rand in grant funding to take that business further oh, so it amazing. is happening it is being manufactured here in South Africa and I think hers was roughly 50 rand for one of those reusable pads that would last a couple of years so okay so you've got to so we need to get um, initiatives going where these are sponsored upfront yeah and because the, the upfront are, cost is going to be too prohibitive much for, many for most people yes yeah. but it, it pays for itself but and I love that there's now yeah. innovation around this because when a subject is taboo, no one's going to, she wouldn't have looked at those pineapple leaves and thought, oh, I know, maybe I could try and Make um, a pad out of them because yes. we weren't having the conversation much around period poverty, and now we very because much maybe are. fifteen years ago, imagine walking into taboo. a boardroom and saying, "I want to market this product." No, we don't talk yeah. about that and in like, polite oh, company. No. How, yes. how could we possibly? Exactly. Yeah. And then what? The, what about the menstrual cups? So really? the, they're very widely used in 
in developed countries, in Western countries, due to their reusability. They're very durable. They can last for up to 10 years. Um, and um, in South Africa, we have the Moon Cup made of soft medical-grade silicone, uh, marketed as being so comfortable you can't feel it's there. While tampons absorb 35% vaginal moisture, the Moon Cup won't drive you out or leave fibers behind. That costs around 580 rand. So, also again, quite an a bit of an upfront. upfront investment. But I know of many people who use them, so it's become very um, – the take-up has been great. People are buying into people, especially those who are into sustainability and all the rest. Yeah. Um, but you've, you're up against two problems there in the in the um, mass market, and that is uh, upfront, cost. upfront cost and and the taboo of insertion, especially with young girls. And a third problem of, of, of that water. requires water yes, to, to, to wash it out properly, uh, properly and, and keep it uh, so sterile for We you. have two so, South Africans. So in the yeah. one, great uptake, and the other, it, and for, for three reasons, main reasons, um, it's, it's, it's not. Going to but be I mean, if great. you look at the economy, so it's five hundred and eighty rand upfront, and but if it's going to last for more, ten years, Wendy, the fifty is, rand a month on pads, you, it's paid for itself in a, it's, in a year. It's the same concept as as people going to spaza shop and buying tiny little packs of coffee and tea and whatever, which are so expensive per unit, but they can't buy in bulk. They don't have the transport for it. They don't have the upfront money for it. They've got yeah. a few cents, and this is what they can buy. And it's it's tragic because they're paying more than you and I per gram or per yeah. milliliter. Um, because they don't have that upfront money, and that's why I'm saying it would be so wonderful to see these initiatives where you, these are donated, and then that that woman is set for the next little while. Exactly. Well, Caitlin's just SMSed me to say I had the pleasure of meeting Marius Besson of the Menstruation Foundation, who've developed an incredible product to fight period poverty with biodegradable pads dispensed by a custom-built vending machine that uses tokens that are distributed at school. It doesn't run on electricity, which makes it even more resilient. You really should get Marius on your show, Caitlin. I'm taking down your SMS. We absolutely <laughs> will do that. Thank you very much for the tip. Let's go to Gertrude in Tableview. You're also in the business of environmentally friendly pads as an alternative, Gertrude. Well, I, I, I work with the Girl Child Movement, mm-hmm. um, which, which is a national organization, and they do wonderful things with young girls. And they have what is called a hygiene box. It consists of a little bucket with, with sunlight soap, some detergent, some... And then also two uh, material-made, uh, or a few material-made uh, uh, right. sanitary towels, and to show how it actually works, and they do it, and they donate them free of charge to schools. But what is very interesting is that we as the Grail also have the young women, the Grail, and we went to um, commission on the on commission the status of uh, women in 2019. And there, the Australian young women were actually talking about the same uh, hygiene box. Oh, okay. so it's quite wonderful. And then also, I, I lived in Rwanda, and there the women were using banana leaves, and they actually imported um, a machine from India to actually use to, to soften the banana leaves also for sanitary towels. So I think, yes, some very wonderful creative things are being done mm-hmm. by young women. And uh, we who, who didn't question it really that much, I'm I'm just absolutely in awe of what's happening. Thanks very much. Gertrude, thanks. Wonderful call. Yeah, the ingenuity. Um, And, I mean, what necessity is the mother of invention, Wendy? And it it really is, I think, the fact that people are starting to question what has been sold to us 
And I don't just mean sold in the shop, but sold around the way we talk Excellent about, think point. about, yes. view ourselves in this, in, in light of this conversation is shifting. And that is why it's, there is now space for so much it's more. It's when the conversation comes out of the dark, mm. where our caller from last week wants it to remain and, and it's ventilated, then people feel safe to, to talk to, consider options to, to innovate. Mm. Um, for the benefit of everybody. What's up from somebody who does use um, one version of the moon cup saying, my period costs me 180 rand every 10 years, and that includes <laughs> buying panty liners. They use the silicon cup available at various prices. It's boiled before and after menstruation, and it lasts for years. It's comfortable and environmentally friendly. It does not suit retailers for obvious yes. reasons. Yeah. Yes, good point. Okay, thank you. Lovely and, and great to hear the, the numbers there. And then... Uh, you know, I started reading this this message and I, I sort of did a double take and then I saw who it was from and I know that it is somebody who is deeply invested in sustainable living and rethinking the way we mindlessly consume. Helen actually makes her own products, uh, Wendy. She says, a few oh. years ago I decided to stop using single-use menstrual products and I initially started with a menstrual cup but didn't find it comfortable. I bought some washable pads but found them very bulky. I've since started making reusable pads of my own which are good, but my favorite is my homemade reusable tampons. And she crochets an inner from organic cotton yarn, rolled up and used like a normal tampon. A waterproof pencil case in the handbag is all that is needed to carry them around, and it costs almost nothing. Once you get over the yuck factor of washing them out, it is a great alternative. Obviously, this is something that needs to be researched and looked at suitable materials um, yes. um, very carefully. But I love the innovation. But there. I'm sharing that because I know Helen to be somebody who does that research and, and will will have checked and really done her homework on that. And bravo to Women you, women doing it um, for themselves, coming up with your own solution. That is amazing. There are also sponge alternatives based on, I think, made out of sea sponges. I think it's called a yoni. That strikes me as one we haven't mentioned, Wendy. Just the level of ingenuity and looking to. Other ways of doing things other than discarding a heap of chemically laden cotton produce into the landfill. Every I month think what we amazing. should do is because, I mean, for most people, you go to the supermarket and you buy what's there, end yeah. of. Um, I think we should create a little blog coming out of today's show. Check out some of these examples that were given to us and, and, um, Put them there and how you buy them and all, what they cost all and the various yeah. from the pineapple leaves ones to, to, um, the, um, Marius Fasson um, yep. thing and how that works and 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 put it there as a resource for people. To, Great to, idea. To put all the options. I'm giving myself some work. No, here, I say, I'm, I'm happy to help with the homework on this yeah. really, and it's something I'm very happy to do because I think it's a great idea to put that resource up and pin it to our page on the website and have it there for anyone who wants to go and look great. for it. We have to wrap the conversation up there, Wendy. Thank you so much um, for for picking up on the ball last week and ro- running with it so fast. Thank you to, um, to the listeners for being so fit to use yes. for today's conversation. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for for airing airing the subject and bringing it into the light of day as you as you've helped us do today. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Pippa.